Oh, <laughs> damn it. <laughs> I don't get it. Hello, everyone. Hello. Welcome to I Don't Get It, a podcast about performances in Edmonton. I'm Fonda. I'm Paul. And we are proud to be part of the Alberta Podcast Network, powered Powered by by ATB. How's it going, Paul? Good. It is the holiday season, um, and uh, as such, the the sort of performance season is sort of winding down for a little sleep, for a little holiday break. A little but, holiday break, and everything happening is holiday themed. Yeah, for the most part, there's some. <laughs> um, there's uh, you're never more than six feet from a presentation of the Nutcracker at Christmas time. Pretty so, much, yeah. <laughs> um, so that's those are happening. But uh, we saw uh, two things this week, Fonda, or these weeks. Yeah, we caught the um, the last ever. A retirement performance of uh, Paul Andre Fortier, um, who is uh, sort of like a living legend in the Canadian dance community, and he is seventy and he's kind of done his his last his last hurrah now, I guess. Yeah, and this was the last show of the last hurrah, so we really saw the last performance. Yeah, wild to think about. It was kind of it was interesting, and we also saw. Um, well, actually, I took Andrew mm-hmm. to see Oh Christmas Tree by mm-hmm. Connie Massing, um, and that's a new show that was happening uh, as part of the performance series um but let's first talk about solo 70 this sure. paul andre fortier show um so fonda could you maybe uh prime us a little on on who uh, fortier was and sort of his role and impact in sort of the canadian dance community so uh he has been working in actively producing dance since the 70s wow. i believe um and brian webb started presenting him here in edmonton in 1991 he's been here um over a dozen times i think I, I, I want to say 14 performance mm. or 14 different shows he's brought here, a lot, yeah. um, which is a lot. And he's kind of like he runs he runs in the crowd with, uh, you know, Edward Locke of La 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 Human Steps. Mm-hmm. Um, and I imagine also Sylvain Amard, who is kind of of that era, also out in, in Quebec. Um, and yeah, and uh, Fortier kind of came into his own, I think, when he started doing these solo performances. Okay. Um, he has commissioned, a, or he has done a lot of work as commissions and uh, created for groups and things before. Um, but I've seen him mostly um, in solo or um, performances where he is the dancer on stage in collaboration with another artist or artists. Right, which was are, sort of mm-hmm. the, the case this time around. It was it was him on stage uh, with two two other performers. There was a musician and there was a, was a, an actor, a sort of a monologist in in some ways. Yeah. So on stage with uh, Forche for this performance was an actor, Etienne Pelon, um, and he was using text um, by uh, a playwright, Etienne Lepage. Um, and uh, then Jackie Gallant was also on stage, and she was kind of, she's a, more of a musician. She was playing electric guitar, Fun singing. Rock. Yeah, and she, she had a good little rock and roll bit. Um, yeah, so the stage, the stage setup is um, very sparse. It's a white floor. It's, there's, uh, there's one large square taped on to it mm-hmm. um and that is sort of the performance space that fortier exists in and the musicians and uh, the other performers are outside of it right mm-hmm. and uh and it when you enter he's already sort of doing this um this loop uh he's already sort of moving in these very direct straight lines with you know 90 degree turns um 
taking uh, very quiet steps and then finding moments to sort of bang his heels. Um, and he's sort of tracing this pattern in this space. Uh, yeah. And that's already going on when you get in. Everyone's already present. Yeah, his, what, what's kind of beautiful about it is that he already exists dancing for you as mm-hmm. soon as you enter. Um, and so then, yeah, it was. It started with very quiet. There was no music or it was just really the sound of his feet um, when you could hear them. And he's, of course, because the, the set is white and it's against a white screen as well, He's just wearing all black. He's mm-hmm. wearing just like simple black shirt, long sleeve shirt, um, and black pants and black shoes. So he really stands out against this white backdrop, though. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can really see um, when it started, you know, it kind of went on for a little while, mm-hmm. this this sort of pacing in square shapes. Yeah. Um, and then uh, he really started to kind of like amp things up. His back is to the audience and he started doing this shoulder thing, thing with his yeah. shoulders. And it was so different than what had been happening for the first first few minutes right. that you really noticed the shape of his body and how it was moving um and and then just kind of he starts going into sort of like shut sh- from just simple shrugs into like sort of like shudder almost one um thing, one thing i found as we watch sort of uh dance that has moments like this with a sort of a pattern that's looped um uh, i find myself watching for uh if it's not changing um or not changing in, in bigger ways, like it's not heightening or in, in very obvious ways. I find myself sort of thinking about like, okay, what am I, what is the artist trying to make me understand? I'm sort of reaching for comprehension mm-hmm. of what's, what this movement makes me feel or what this pattern makes me feel. And when he started moving with his body in those sort of ways you were just describing, uh, for me it clicked in that it was, you were seeing this body still um, that knew its path, that knew what it could do, mm-hmm. um, but it was still exploring. You know, I thought I thought I thought it was a beautiful show overall, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, but I thought the movement of his body, it felt like someone who knew his body so well. Um, And he Mm -hmm. wasn't uh, pushing himself doesn't seem like the right word, although a lot of what he was doing was taxing. Mm -hmm. Um, But it was still just like exploring in the space within the parameters he knew his body could work in, Mm -hmm. um, finding these ways of of movement that was explorational, that felt like it was like looking for something and seeking that understanding that I really liked. Yeah, he has, he has a very, like, he has just this inherent grace when he moves. Mm -hmm. He's a very, he's a tall, lithe performer. He's got very, like, long extension in his arms. Um, He's, he's a bald man. Mm -hmm. So, you know, like, it's sort of like very, like, blank slate looking at him. but uh, so watching him move, he, he does have this interesting self-awareness that I think can only come with a dancer who is so mature. Mm-hmm. Um, like, I, I remember commenting when we were leaving, like, God, will I ever know my own body that well? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, <laughs> like just the movement of it. And. Yeah, so he he has this real great um, sort of like tension between grace and sort of like odd movements. He would do this sort of um, come back to this uh, movement phrase uh, in one corner of the stage where he would sort of like make his hands into a coxcomb over his head and just slowly sort of rotate. And it's sort of like it felt like a little bit like, you know, he's peacocking or whatever, Mm -hmm. but um, at the same time, he would so close to the audience. This was performed in a very small space mm-hmm. in the theater lab yeah. at Allard Hall. Um, I think maybe there were 60 or so seats in there. Sure, and he looked everyone in the eye in yeah. the audience at one point. Oh, um, and after <laughs> early on, after when he'd sort of done that pattern of movement for a while, um, he started gasping. Mm-hmm. There were these moments of gasp. And it was so small, but it was so effective because it happened so close to us. And then... It was this little change and this new uh, idea introduced into this pattern that suddenly mm-hmm. made it like 
very human. It was this very human sound. Mm -hmm. You know, in Clown, they talk about breath and, and the connection of that. And it was so interesting to see that after watching him do these movement to suddenly invite us in in that way. And yeah. the energy of the room of to... <gasps> and this, like, <gasps> gasp. Like, yeah. it was, like, a curious, almost, like, surprising... Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah it was... Yeah. yeah, it was just a very... It's a very punctuating sound. And so how did the performance progress? Um, like, we started with the, getting mm -hmm. the music in there and... Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, eventually, you know, you see the musician uh, and the actor who's sort of been sitting... Just sort of sitting, watching. Uh, pick The guitar gets picked up. The microphone gets picked up. Um, and early on was one of my favorite sequences of sort of collaboration, I mm -hmm. guess, uh, which was the actor, uh, Etienne Pilon. Mm -hmm. uh, and he started just talking very fast in French, um, uh, en français. Yeah. <laughs> and sort of this, yeah. in a very punctuating sort of um, textural sort of speech. Mm -hmm. And uh, Fortier's body started uh, sort of taking on a similar pattern of movement. It was very like scattery and moving quickly. Sort and of like jittering. Staccato, yeah, yeah. yeah this mm -hmm. very fast staccato of both speech and movement that was beautiful and just this, this wonderful, um, interesting uh, connection because the collaboration in this work, uh, Fortier was, it's the Fortier Dance Creation Show. He's the mover on stage, mm -hmm. but it was interesting the sort of power he gave to the other two at certain points. It didn't mm -hmm. feel like uh, you get a few minutes or you highlight what I'm doing. It mm -hmm. was like, no, you're going to take this for a while and we're going to watch what you do when mm -hmm. you have control here. Yeah, yeah, it was kind of interesting. The They they both enter the square with him mm -hmm. at, at certain points. Um, and the musician, she starts really, like, jamming out, rocking. She puts on this, like, crazy sequin jacket. Blue sequin, <laughs> shimmering, uh, gets us all clapping. Yeah, like. yeah, we're all into it, you know, and she kind of really riles everyone up. And, you know, the entire time, um, Fortier is also still dancing against this sort of, like, rock show that started. Um, and... But she's really like taking the attention. And in the second in the other part where um, the actor was um, where he took the attention, right. he took the he ended up taking the mic and he does this very, I want to say, like sort of like an ugly speech about shame yeah. and the bright light of shame. Yeah, and he talks about all the mm -hmm. the these little invisible things he does in his life to the people he cares about that no one will ever call him on, no one will ever acknowledge, but he knows there are these bad little things he does. Yeah, he's talking about being an ugly person and a bad person, essentially. And then throughout this speech, Forche is dancing in the background, shirtless, with his pants sort of showing his butt. So like much butt. showing like and there was this went on for like I don't know I want to say eight or nine minutes oh, like yeah. yeah it was it was it was a long stint and so and he's got his back to the audience and so he just kind of like took his pants down to expose his buttocks right. and he's and he's also just dancing in this sort of like hunched very like it, it, I want to say it, it, it was an embodiment of shame yeah. like it was very very um affecting and just like mm -hmm. almost like it was sad. Like mm -hmm. I felt sad listening and watching at that point. Yeah, mm -hmm. because when when he first sort of pulls down his pants, you're like, a oh, are they all coming off? Mm -hmm. um, uh, and b it's it is that moment of sort of like tension and humor because the audience doesn't know what to do with with a butt. Mm -hmm. um, uh, but then as we sort of he sits in that moment and he moves in that moment and commits to it, well, this monologue starts coming out about shame and mm -hmm. and these feelings and. Uh, it makes this like what what could have been like and you know a lot of other performers might have sort of tossed away or commented on because that gives you control again be like mm -hmm. it's but don't worry about it but he just controlled that moment so well they did mm -hmm. um that it made it yeah this very profound uh complimentary sort of sequence of of movement 
and this body um, exposed in a very literal way, mm-hmm. and this uh, speech that was also very exposing and very vulnerable in a in a way. Yeah, yeah, the vulnerability um, was was just intense mm-hmm. and really beautiful, and I think that's maybe maybe why I felt so kind of like wistful about it. Just like, oh God, this is it. This right. is it for him. Yeah. You know, and like. Then, <laughs> and then there was that very final moment of. Um, uh, after being in this white square the whole time, this space. Oh uh, God, the payoff! <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so everyone, uh, one by one, the other two performers leave, um, and then it's just him, sort of doing this movement again, uh, shirtless at this point. Um, and then he gets to the edge where the exit is, mm-hmm. and he pauses for just a moment. And this is all putting things on this moment from the outside because we mm. knew going in, it's the last time you know he's going to perform ever question mark yeah mm-hmm. uh, and there's just this little pause and then he steps off and walks off the stage and walks out of sight and that's the end and of it's a, just like <sighs> the end of a decades-long dance career mm-hmm. is just gets this little pause of a moment that was like oh yeah ooh, boom fuck. in the gut yeah, <laughs> um yeah and i think that there was you know there was like a palpable sort of like release in the audience yeah. that just felt like and that's yeah, you know? and, and that was for a final piece. Yeah, what do you think of that, maybe, Fonda? Uh, as someone's final piece, how do you sort of... What does this feel like to you? Like, it wasn't... I wouldn't say it was particularly sentimental. It felt like no, it was still exploring yeah. ideas and concepts. So how did you feel about that? I think it was I think it was really interesting because it was also very it was also very aware of what it was. There was this meta moment where, you know, after the the whole set is white the entire time, there's mm. just this very very brief 30 seconds of like thousands of images from the last 30 years yeah. flashing by. And these are news images, all sorts of things. Yeah. Um and then it goes to just like this beautiful blue sky. Mm. <laughs> I can't even like how would you describe this beautiful blue sky and it, there's his shadow right um, he's positioned himself as uh looking away from us at this screen and we see his shadow in front of him it's a fucking trick it's, um, it's a trick it's be- a video trick yeah, oh. because then after this moment of his shadow on this beautiful white background uh, the shadow moves and walks away and you and realize that it's the video and not actually his shadow and you're like oh my god you're so freaking good Damn you. yeah <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. yeah so it had these moments of um it felt like, uh, you know, a, a body, uh, someone who sort of committed their life to using their body and mm-hmm. as a way of exploring the world around them and ideas in the world around them. Mm-hmm. And this felt like it was still doing that. It was still someone who is still finds interesting things in the world around them mm-hmm. and uh, and wants to explore them. Yeah, and in so many ways, I was just like, this can't, he can't be done. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, he's still so on. Mm-hmm. He's And um, I remember, so the first performance I ever saw of his was in 2006. Um, it was another solo piece. It was called, um, it was called A Garden of Objects. Okay. Um, and it was, uh, it had similar elements to this performance, actually. It had the parts where he plays with the mic, um, making sounds like you know he would drop the mic on the floor and make yeah. a good thud. Literal th- mic drops in this show. Literal mic drops. <laughs> yeah. In that in that one, I remember he was walking. He had a, a sort of like a pathway of bubble wrap that he would walk on, and he had the mic on a stick near his feet. Oh. And so you know you hear this like crackling as he's walking, like and and you know like that's what. Years ago, yeah, and I well, remember well, things from that performance. I remember there was a TV with static too that he was playing with. Mm-hmm. Another performance I saw was called Caban, and he, that was with Robert Racine, who's mm-hmm. a performer and sound designer. 
And they were in, it was kind of like a weird fishing shack. Um, and they were playing with sound of like, you know, some like old um, undersprings from a cot. Um, they sure, were banging yeah. on it to make sound. So yeah, he, he, he used everything in the space to make sound too. And just thinking about, you know, seeing those other performances um, and then knowing that, um, you know, the graduation of like even how much he's done in the last 10 years. Mm-hmm. Um, and me as someone as someone watching dance over the years to have seen that solo that many years ago you know when i started out at c magazine um yeah and now to be like wow and we saw it and we saw the final performance that was pretty cool yeah and i think there's something in those moments you brought up of um these strange beautiful things that you still think about Mm -hmm. and to me it's like that's someone who is truly exploring in their practice because they found these things that were so tangible and so affecting um, and that was probably just getting in a space and bringing things in every day and working. Uh, at the end, there was a, you know, the, the musician played a beautiful song for him sort of mm-hmm. after the show that was sort of like a gift uh, to him. And they talked about having been working on the show for about a year when she found out he loved this song or something. So a year of exploring ideas mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. all these things being distilled into this 50-ish minute show, 60 minute show. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Is just yeah, this sort of like that's the payoff of that sort of discovery and commitment to discovery and mm-hmm. and bluntly like funding to do that sort of discovery to yeah. be able to support that sort of discovery mm-hmm. is to give profound moments in art. Mm-hmm. And what was kind of refreshing about it is that he wasn't very sentimental about it. You know, he was super chill. There, there were no there were no people no getting choked up. Like I was getting choked up, but he did not at all. Mm-hmm. You know, he seemed very natural. And he sat and he listened to that gift that song. Like you know, just. Like a kid in you know in wonder, he sat on the he sat right on the floor on the yep. stage and just like you know watched her sing this song. It was just beautiful. It yeah. yeah, yeah, so beautiful. What a what a, a capstone to a career, um, and what a what a beautiful thing to see. In, what a show! In a city yeah, like this. what a what a gift! What mm-hmm. a gift for us! This yeah, holiday season. <laughs> Truly, speaking of holiday season, Fonda, uh, let's get to an ad. If you're an artist, check out ATB's Branch for Arts and Culture, a bank, music venue, and creative space all in one. So whether you're a budding musician wanting advice on how to save for a new instrument, or an artist looking for a bank that understands how your business works, ATB can help. For more information on the Branch for Arts and Culture, head to atb.com slash thebranch. Cool. Speaking of branches... Yes. Guess what we saw? Uh, uh, a show about Christmas. It was a show about trees, Christmas ah, trees. Okay. So um, we're gonna we're gonna loop in Andrew here. Hi, Andrew. Hello. How's it going, guys? Pretty good. good. How are you? Not too bad. Not too bad. Just getting ready for this festive season that's coming up. Truly. So so friends, tell me a little bit about Oh Christmas Tree. Um, give me the give me the Coles notes on 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 what you saw and, and what it was what the premise was. Sure. Uh, so Oh Christmas Tree is a Connie Massing play that was directed by Brian Diedrich and featuring a real life husband and wife team, uh, Colin Doyle and Laura Brovold. And the story follows these two characters, Lucy and Algar, as they uh, get set, uh, one, to get married. Uh, so they are going through these mandatory uh, wedding classes <laughs> at their church. At, oh. at, at uh, Lucy's church. At Lucy's okay. church, because yeah. uh, she really wants to get married in, in this church. Mm-hmm. Uh, and um, while this is going on, they're getting set for the holiday season, uh Lucy is very much uh, in the Christmas spirit. She has these very uh, rigid family traditions. 
and she is also running an event planning company, and so she is planning other people's Christmas parties and as weddings. well. And <laughs> weddings. Yeah, there's a Christmas Eve wedding that's going on. Uh, Algar, on the other hand, uh, is very much more on the humbug side of the spectrum. Um, Classic I, humbug. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I, can, I can't remember the exact line, but, uh, you know, he was essentially identified as a Christmas nihilist. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Sure, great, great. <laughs> well, he's a teacher. He's a, a, an elementary school teacher, I think. Something like um, that. And so he, and he teaches, he's teaching his children, uh, like, anti-consumerist messages and so inadvertently tells them to, like, burn their Christmas presents and, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, gets in some trouble at work with that um but in any case so this is about um it's about their relationship and right. they're trying to navigate the um you know the expectations around the holiday um in particular where it comes to lucy's very quirky north Euro- northern european family um there's a lot of sort of like swedish christmas carols and funny sort of swedish sounding words for weird traditions and things <laughs> yeah and whenever uh those moments come up it just you know, cranks the Christmas up to 11 automatically. There's just something about, um, you know, a nondescript, like, Nordic uh, word or accent. Sure. <laughs> it just sort of... Uh, puts a little more tinsel on the tree automatically. <laughs> yeah, and so they start arguing about putting up a Christmas tree. Of course, mm-hmm. Lucy really wants to put up a Christmas tree and she wants to go all out with it. Um, and Algar thinks that they don't need one and, and hates Christmas and all of the things. Um, and now... Full disclosure, Andrew and I are married. Um, stunning, <laughs> stunning revelations on the um, And so podcast. just seeing a show about this couple trying to navigate their, you know, expectations around family and the holidays and how um, inevitably not everything is going to work out the way that you really want it to. And and it really, there's a, they, they have a great tension. They're very funny together. Laura Brovold is particularly funny in this role, I think. Um, and I wanted to give a shout out to the costume designer, Marissa Kachansky, because... Laura, Lucy is dressed in this, in, in this like ticker tape parade of bad Christmas sweaters. And there's a particularly good scene where she's dressed as a Christmas ham um, <laughs> and does a little yes. dance for Alcor. Um, so I just thought that that was, um, I was like, wow, I have not seen that many ugly sweaters on a single person in, in a show like that. That was pretty good. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it was also fun watching them try to compromise <laughs> at first. Uh, Cause that was sort of like one of the, the bigger themes that I took away from, from the show was how Christmas traditions, particularly when you're getting into like a new long-term relationship, Mm -hmm. those traditions are going to change and you need to find a way to make your own traditions uh, and make the holidays sort of yours. So uh, there is one moment where, uh, well, Algar sort of breaks down is like, okay, I'm going to get a tree. And he gets a very sad looking (laughs) Christmas tree. A very Charlie Brown tree. A very Charlie Brown tree. Mm -hmm. But it was a compromise. Mm -hmm. And um, so when it came to decorating this sad Charlie Brown tree, uh, Lucy says, well, I will decorate half and you decorate the other half. Great. (laughs) Now, um, I just want to point out, if you uh, give those instructions to anyone in your life, just make sure by half you mean you're splitting the tree horizontally, not like... Vertically. Vertically. Vertically, right. Yeah. Yeah, so it's not like one person's responsible for the bottom of the tree, right, right, tree right. and yeah. once that's just asking for trouble and trouble <laughs> that's, that's arises. That's not a good look. <laughs> no. <laughs> right. 
I think that if you do do it vertically, then at least you can rotate the tree and get you know each half at one point. Exactly. But anyway, yeah. they did this. They did it in this show horizontally, which was kind of an odd choice. So, but yeah. Um, so, how do you find uh, if we look at most sort of holiday art, whether it's Hallmark movies or you know the classic oeuvre of of sort of Christmas stories and and films? Like, what a what sort of festive sentiment is here? What's the sort of takeaway about the season? Uh, making your own traditions is one, but like this was kind of where I I I don't think I was on board with with the show how it like how it kind of wrapped things up okay there you know the sentiment actually was just like you know because of all these expectations around the holiday Christmas is bound to be disappointing mm-hmm. and um I don't know if I like that sentiment at all. <laughs> you know, like I like the big ass Christmas payoff whereas with songs and, you know, things and, you know, family and happiness and food and yeah, and you this want your one heart to grow three sizes. I want too my big, right? Yeah, <laughs> at the end of a Christmas show, that's what I want and I, I didn't really get that with See, this one. But... So more of a Lucy then than an Elgar. I am more of a Lucy. Andrew, do you feel like did, did you identify with Elgar in his character? Uh some of it. I, I like I don't think I'm that f- much of a Christmas nihilist. Sure. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, but I, I thought they're like both sides also, you know, had valid points in what they were trying to get across as to why they either hated or loved Christmas. You know, another theme that came up was sort of um, gift giving and giving, you know, experiences versus, uh, you know, actual trinkets. Um, right. I think there's some value to that. And uh, Lucy I, was like, screw you. I'm giving you present presents, whether you like it or not. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so, and well, and, you know, I thought that Algar had kind of, like, an interesting, um, it, it, it was similar to how people, I think, sometimes would see, like, my crazy East European family, where we have, like, actually, like, pickled fish, and, you know. The... Can we talk about your family Christmas traditions for a quick second here? Sure. The most exciting <laughs> okay. and terrifying time of the year is going to Fonda's parents' house where they put real candles in a real tree. Oh, yeah, oh, we light real candles it. in the tree. And, oh, it is exciting. And we and... have to sing for our gifts. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So while the caroling is going on, there's live flame <laughs> nestled inside of this tinderbox of a uh, There's tree. always a bucket of water uh, yeah. there. It's like, yes, yes, there is a bucket of water. I'm not sure if a bucket is really going to do what it was going to need to be done if the tree do, ever goes I up. I do appreciate that while caroling and singing, everyone's eyes are also, or at least Andrew's eyes are at least on the tree. <laughs> being like, wait. Yeah. Careful. Yeah. Well, so cool. that was, you know, that was a Christmas tree. We did see another Christmas show this week. Um, we I took in the uh, Rapid Fire uh, Christmas Carol with special guest Julian Arnold. Um, and I do just want to point out um, the most festive sweater of the year was Tara Coet's, um White and Gora sweater, which sort of like provided extra snow all oh, over the stage. Yeah, she would um, <laughs> walk behind folks and just like give her sleeves a brush with her hand. <laughs> and just these clouds of fluff would just like hang in the air, which I'm sure was great for Julian Fade's asthma. but anyway but yeah and then it it ended with uh scrooge um uh you know and a string of expletives merry effing christmas everyone (laughs) it was fantastic it was a true christmas miracle great yeah speaking of christmas miracles how about another ad 
The Northern Nerdcast is a podcast showcasing wonderfully nerdy people and events in and around Edmonton. Hosted by Dan and Chelsea, each episode features special guests talking about their own nerdiness. And earlier this month, they invited I Don't Get It to join in the conversation. You can learn more about the Nerdcast and all of APN's member shows at albertapodcastnetwork.com. Woo! Woo! All right, so uh, before the sort of holiday break hits Fonda, uh, what's still going on in the city? What do we got? Well, as uh, as previously mentioned, we have the last Christmas Carol at the Citadel ever. They will have some kind of Christmas Carol, but this is the last ver- of this version. The They've been running for 18 years. 19. This is the 19th 19 year. years. That goes until December 23rd. Sure. Um, oh, Christmas Tree by Connie Massing runs until also December 23rd at the Roxy on Gateway. Shumka's Nutcracker, uh, Ukrainian Nutcracker, is running December 22nd and 23rd at the Jubilee Auditorium. Uh, and then uh, hopping across the Christmas break, uh, Broadway Across Canada is bringing The Illusionists uh, from January 1st until January 9th to the Jubilee Auditorium. Uh, I heard it, uh, Cardiac Theatre is presenting Calder Saga, a queer tavern drama for a midwinter's night. Cool. Um, that's by Harley Morrison. It's running January 11th to 26th at the Almanac. Uh, and Sweat at the Citadel Theatre is running from January 12th until February 3rd. There you go. So there's some stocking stuffers to get if you want to go see a couple January shows. Yeah, totally. <laughs> All right, everyone. Um, Merry Christmas. Happy holidays. And go see some shows. Bye. I Don't Get It is a member of the Alberta Podcast Network, powered by ATB. You can subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts or check us out on albertapodcastnetwork.com or the CKUA radio app. I Don't Get It is recorded on Treaty 6 territory in Edmonton, Alberta, in the Edmonton Community Foundation's podcast studio. Our theme music is Mountain Time by Ghibli, and you can find more of Ghibli's music by going to ghibli.bandcamp.com. I Don't Get It is produced by Andrew Paul, Fonda Mithrush, and Paul Blenov. Sit here thinking, I love you.